0: This is The Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ronella. Bo Schumacher, thanks for reaching out to me. Um, I think we talked via email it's what is today today is 18 2022 and maybe a couple months ago something like that
1: yeah yeah and touch base uh when you first put out the free range american article and they took it off because they wanted to wait till the mediator episode dropped and saw the original article and Um, which was
0: the same as the one that they put back up when they put it back up.
1: Yeah. They put the same one back out there. Um, But yeah, I reached out to you and just kind of touched base and said, I enjoyed the article and um, some I agreed with some I didn't, but I thought overall it was a great message and just kind of wanted to say good for you for speaking your mind and holding up for your values, whether people agree with them or don't.
0: Well, yeah. uh, Yeah. I definitely appreciate you. Uh, reaching out. I was, uh, getting a fair bit of venom at that time. So I really, I really, uh, uh, relished it when somebody, when people reached out and said that they saw my point at least, you know?
1: Yeah. And I mean, as with anything too, the, the negative voices are always going to be the loudest, but I mean, I think the silent majority is a big part of it too. And I even had, um, a post about it and it, it was the most Appreciative, I've had people of anything I've done on social media, and it was great to see so many people that are quiet so often coming out explaining how much they loved what you said and what I had to comment on it too. And it was very reassuring seeing that, although they're not the loudest ones about it, that there are people that agree with a lot of it too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I suspect. I suspect so. I guess. The reason I feel like I feel like I'm giving voice to a a viewpoint that's probably held by a lot of people, or a set of beliefs that are held by a lot of people in the hunting sphere. Yeah, so, but the th- the thing is, the reason you don't hear my perspective, in like on podcasts or or at uh, like non-profit events and etc cetera, et cetera. in public sphere in the public sphere is because nobody that has a nobody that has a voice everybody that has a vo- voice
1: in hunting gets paid from it and um, i think that's i mean with you too the good and the bad about being in the dark with a lot of the social media stuff and I know you had that in the past, but I mean, the bad is the obviously negative sides of social media and the stuff that comes in a bad sense for hunting or for hunters and makes people look bad or hurts the sport. But on the flip side too, I mean, I loved you starting the podcast because it gives a great way to get your voice across too, that not having Instagram or social media like that, it limits it at times. So
0: yeah. Do you think I do? Do you, do you think I? I would get my point across more effectively. I can't do both. I can't, no. I can't do both because just for because of time constraints, I can't do both social media and a and a podcast. And just doing one because I'm I'm just not a very efficient person in general. Like between doing, I have a job that's pretty demanding and requires a lot of thought, and then uh, I have some pack llamas that I have to pe- play around with quite a bit. Um, and, sure, and then yeah. I. And then I have a Corgi that needs a lot of attention. Um, my wife is not very demanding at all. So I get off, I get a little bit of spare time there, but I, like I say, just, I got to do one or the other. Do you think I picked the right one?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the good thing for you is like, I mean, just even being on the Instagram side, you can get your short opinions across quickly and you can kind of set a precedent of what you stand for or what you don't stand for. But I do think the podcast is great because you can get, you can't get the dialogue you do on Instagram in the same sense that yes, my, or whatever social media people are using, like people can comment and say stuff. Not everyone's going to see it. Not everyone's going to hear it. And I think with a podcast for you too, and with your position and role, I think in general, there's going to be a lot of people out there that, share the podcast or share your articles like on free range American that it's I think it's more of a concise and direct way to get the point across and start discussion. But at the same time too other people are almost doing the marketing for you in that sense on other platforms.
0: Yeah. And I guess one reason why I wanted to go this route was because I wanted to talk to people and and remain remain open to having my my mind change so have like a like have real dialogue with people where it's not just me trying to convince people I disagree with, but instead we're exchanging ideas, you know so yeah. uh, i I feel like I made my viewpoints i I articulated a lot of my viewpoints. About haunting as best as I could in my articles, the articles I've written in the last couple of years. Yeah, so that was my opening salvo, if you will, you know. And now, I'm I'm open to having those concerns reinforced or abandoned, or, or or realizing that they're not concerns, and there's other things that I should be focused on. Um, I don't even I don't even really know what why why I why I feel so strongly about these things that I started to go public with them. Um, but,
1: well, I think when you're so passionate about something and been hunting for as long as you do too, I mean, the more you love it and the more you do it for better or worse, the stronger your viewpoints get. And I think two, two things to touch on. One thing that my dad always said too, growing up and even to this day through work, he always said, if you're pissed at someone, never send a text message, two things he always says, never send a text message. And always sleep on it for 24 hours because so many people, and it goes the same way with any social media platform or just life in general, or text messaging or email, you're going to say stuff virtually that you would never say to someone in person. And on top of that too, you don't get the discussion. It's more argumentative than discussionary and helping out and actually progressing stuff along, I think too.
0: Yeah. I've noticed that with this podcast, even, I mean, you're there that, what your dad says is spot on. I mean I've gotten a little bit better at staying my hand over the years, but yeah, I've sent I've sent some cringe worthy emails over my the course of my career, you know. when
1: well, you um, learn when to bite your tongue, but there's also those times where you're like screw it. I don't I know how I'm gonna feel a day from now. I may as well say it now when I can get it out and it's full.
0: And, it's And I never, I never think that that that's the right choice, that that was the right choice 24 hours later.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. it's funny how that works out and holds true so often. And then the other thing, I think in general too, I know we touched base on this before, but I mean, I think that's one of the biggest issues in life and the world nowadays. I always say you'll agree on stuff with people more than you disagree on it, whether it's hunting or meat eaters and vegetarians, or politics, or religion, or whatever. The points that you disagree on might be the most pol- polarizing and the loudest points, but if you take a step back and stop saying, okay, why is this person different me? Why? What don't we agree with? For every one thing you don't agree with, there's going to be three things that you agree upon.
0: Yeah, and there'll probably be more important ones.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, even um a friend of my wife's, vegetarian and we've had some great conversations with her and she'll eat she'll eat venison but the biggest thing for her she was saying was um wait she is a vegetarian or she she's vegetarian she said she i don't know if she still eats venison but she did but she like i said to her i think the biggest thing for me and why i love hunting and fishing so much is you know where your meat comes from if you go into my freezer i can tell you i caught this fish at this lake i can tell you probably what the day was like if i shot a deer and have venison in the freezer i can tell you where it was hit when it was hit how long it was till it was tracked and i just think that that was something she appreciated too is the respect for your food and knowing that side of things with the natural side of it too but it just goes back to agreeing on more than you disagree on
0: yeah yeah uh I'd rather, I, I have more in common with, I mean, there's just like, there's just like things that make people not be decent human beings or be de- decent human beings that, that what, what differentiates them has nothing to do with, I mean, things like whether you hunt or not, or you're a vegetarian or not, or you like Trump or not. I mean, those things are are pretty superficial compared to like, if you see somebody stranded, do you pick them up?
1: Yeah. Be a really good person in general. And looking, and that's one thing too, I always say is just looking for the best in others. And there's people in politics and hunting and everywhere that I've never met and I don't like, but I'll always give someone the benefit of the doubt until they give me a reason not to. But I, I always say too, like there's plenty of people in politics who I hate politically. But if I sat down and had a beer with them or went out golfing or hunting or fishing or you whatever, I'm love them. i sure I'd have a blast with them. And it doesn't yeah. mean that they're a bad person or I hate them. I just don't like certain viewpoints, but it doesn't make them a bad person either. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That, that is, uh, I tend to like that. That really holds true with what I'm doing with this podcast because I tend to like hunters. I mean, yeah. I tend to. You know, it just, it makes perfect sense. I like to talk about hunting. I like to go hunting. So it makes sense that I want to talk to other people to hunt about their experiences. So, but then, the, then on the flip side, I d- disagree vehemently with many, many hunters on what the threats to the future of our shared pastime yeah. is. So, um, it's, it's. It's definitely a, a, an exercise in learning to agreeably disagree.
1: Yeah. I think that's one thing that people love about hunting, especially in parties, whether it's deer camp or going up bird hunting or elk camp or fishing trip or whatever it is. I mean, when you're there, you don't you talk about the hunting and the fishing stuff and the fun aspects of it. You might talk about the serious stuff when you get a couple whiskeys in you or a couple of beers in you, but for the most part too, it's just it's the good stuff about the sport and the stuff that makes you see the good in others and the good in the sport too but i also think we do have to talk about the downsides of stuff as well as stuff that's detrimental to hunting or fishing or the land in general and um yeah
0: yeah so let's uh let's uh get your background a little bit before we attempt any forward moves um, yeah so
1: um i'll do kind of a quick introduction so like you said my name's is bo schumacher um born and raised green bay wisconsin uh married no kids yet two dogs got a german short hair and a golden retriever um ever since i was a kid i always need to be outside i i mean it got to the point where we'd be up north and my parents would just know, like, hey, Bo's going to eat whenever the hell he gets back in from fishing. But, I mean, I caught my first panfish when I was two, first northern when I was three. As soon as I could get out of a car seat sit in a vehicle, I'd go drive around up north grouse hunting with my dad. And my love for the outdoors and nature in general has just grown since. Um, and I know big thing, too, that we touched base was just the whole so- social media aspect about this, too. Um, and I... In my post, I, and I'll read yeah. It. So
0: you're, you're a, okay. So you're you're a, a lifelong hunter angler, and your dad is as
1: well. Yeah, he's he got me into the sport, and then growing up, to both my grandpas passed away before I was born, and our neighbor up north, who probably was in his 60s when I was a kid. And then my great uncle were the two kind of grandpa figures that I had. And they were as avid outdoorsmen as you could imagine. And they, they were always my grandparent figures for me. Mm -hmm. And they also helped teach me so much and just the respect of nature and the outdoors. And, um, a lot of what I've learned from hunting and fishing has come from them. My dad's still an avid outdoorsman. He, uh, is close to retirement. So he's, he still gets up for deer camp. He'll get out pheasant hunting, get out fishing, but he, uh, not quite the energy towards it that I do, but he's still a big outdoorsman.
0: He's still, still mixing it up out there.
1: Oh yeah. He's actually a funny story. He's only missed. He's, well, 66 he and he has missed one opening deer camp, Wisconsin deer camp in his whole life. And one of his best friends, uh, was getting married, not a outdoorsman. And had the wedding opening day of hunting season. he's like, Larry, what the hell? He's like, this is hunting season. Like, you're going to have no one show up for the wedding. It's Wisconsin. So that's the only one he ever missed. And he actually met my mom. He was the best man. And she was the maid of honor. So is that how
0: that dude was like, was he trying to um, test the allegiance of his friends or something by having it?
1: I don't know, but like my dad always says, he's like, it's the one deer camp I've missed. And I can honestly say it worked out pretty damn well for me getting married too. Uh But yeah. Um, But no, yeah. So I'm, you can find me on social media at uh, Instagram, Boshu Outdoors. Um, I know that's something we touch base on too, is the whole influencer side. And
0: I'm not. Yeah. So tell me, can you, can you tell me about your, your, how you got it? got into uh being a social media hunter
1: yeah so i always like i mean i have had instagram for probably since high school or college i'm 29 now so that's 10 15 years and a couple years ago my wife had my pictures were hunting and fishing or foraging or whatever it may be she's like you should just do an account that is only outdoors based So I was like, you know what, like, I'd love to show others why I love the outdoors and all the great aspects of it and the food I love cooking too. So the culinary aspect of it was a big one for me. And then it's just kind of grown since. And, um, I have a good amount of followers. I'm not like some people are well-known, but I I have like 23,000 followers. So it's at the point now where better or worse, there's a lot of people at sea my viewpoints or the stuff i post or my opinions on stuff too how many
0: did you have 5 years ago 800 oh wow so yeah okay
1: i mean it was mainly just family friends um classmates and then the more i focused on it the more it's grown and the more i've put focus on it too and um one of my buddies is a phenomenal outdoors photographer too and I've always loved nature for the beauty aspects of it, whether you're up north in the fall with the trees or just the intricacies on like turkey feathers or whatever. And he always did such a great job of showing that. And that's always what I wanted to show and tried to show that that's what really got me focused on that side of it more too.
0: So what what's the profile of a typical follower?
1: Um, Mine, I'd say mainly males age 15 to 35 um, and uh, hunters, fishermen, um, people who, who like the cooking aspect. I mean, friends and family still, obviously. And then. Yeah,
0: but nobody has anywhere near 23,000 friends and family.
1: No, I mean, that's got to be
0: like a one one hundredth of a percent of your following, right? Well, yeah,
1: my dad's one of know. 12. So, I mean, if he had social media and had all of his family and everything on it, it might be up there with the 40 some first cousins. But, yeah, it's still like a lot of local people um, who, for better or worse, a lot of them I haven't met. But at the same time, too, I've met a lot of people that I wouldn't have otherwise um, without this, who I've really appreciated getting to know better and, um, getting out hunting and fishing with some of them and just making new friends and finding people who have the same love of the outdoors that I do too. So, uh, do you have any sponsors? Not yes and no, not necessarily sponsors. I, I haven't made a dollar. I've gotten some free stuff, um, from companies or whatever. And a lot of it too, is less about what you shoot or what you catch um, and more about just high-quality photos and taking marketing pictures for, like, um, like one is PS Seasoning, a local seasoning company, and they loved the cooking side of it, and they had had a couple guys in the group that... Um, they reached out to you? Yeah. And just said, hey, we'd love for you to help promote our, um, company. And I, I think that's the biggest thing for me is it's not for me, it's not, okay, let's find the biggest business or the next business. I mean, I'm, I'm all about in life in general, small business and bis- businesses that have good missions and there's been some offers and opportunities that what's I've got. What's
0: their mission? Like making food tastier.
1: Well, I guess that's not <laughs> as much but... It's a local Wisconsin company and it's a small business and just great, generous people. And they're always so kind to us and so generous with what they do for us and give us. And it's never been. uh, So who's the uh, who's the us when you say that? Like there's like 20 people that are work with them, too, for. So but
0: oh, but yeah, but when you say them, when you say us, you're talking about yourself in the plural.
1: Yes, like myself and the other people that are in, like, that do marketing stuff and ambassadors. Oh,
0: that. Do, okay. So they have several hunters that do marketing for them.
1: Yeah. They have a cup. They have like probably six or seven guys that are outdoorsy. And then they have probably 20 people that are like barbecue, like legit barbecue people and
0: barbecue influencers.
1: Yeah. High quality like chefs. Like I love cooking, but I'm not like schooled or trained on it it's all been self-taught and just something on the hunting side i've always appreciated more so was after the hunt okay what am i going to do with this what's a new recipe i can figure out
0: um so the the the, the, you got the spice company um that i just i want to get some details on this i don't get a chance to to talk to people that get stuff from companies in exchange for producing social media content yeah so matter that- of fact you you're the first person i had the podcast that does that so i know nothing about the ins and outs you know yeah. And, no one. and you're you're a gracious enough guy to come on and let me ask about it some and i know that if if i had a sitka sponsor on I, i'd get a different perspective because you're, you're you're more like working with smaller companies or a guy, somebody that was sponsored by Silicon yeah. Mean. So, but I, I don't understand any of it. So I, I, I really want to dig into this a little bit. So, uh, um, bear, bear with my detailed questioning. So they, they give, they give you spices.
1: Yeah. So like they, they sell spices, they sell jerky kits, they sell, um, brat making sausage making. So a lot of it, even though it wasn't necessarily what they're tailored to originally um, is outdoors based. And for me, it's great. I mean, so many times I'd bring a deer in and get my sausage and brats and whatever else done at the local butcher shop. And for me, it was fun to do that all myself because I'm, I'm one that I want to know it's all my meat. I want to know how it was done and everything. And um, so they'll give every month or every other month they'll, and the, it's not something that they say, oh, you have to do this and we'll give you this in exchange. It's just out of them being a great company and goodness that they'll give us, um, like seasonings or rubs or jerky making kits or whatever it may be, um, sauces every month or every other month, or if they have new products coming out, they'll give us the product, whether it's a week ahead of time or a month ahead of time. Um, and, um, they they've just been great to me about that and it's a local company and i think they have a great product so i love like i said for better or worse having enough followers now i like seeing those small companies that are local companies or have a great mission to help them out with my platform too um besides what
0: are the other ones besides the spice company
1: yeah so the other ones i'll try to think of i forget i um patriot coolers is another one which has like arctic or yeti style coolers it's a kind of same business model as black rifle coffee um that they help out veterans a lot of the people that work for them are veterans they donate a ton back for veteran housing and to help veterans with ptsd and having friends and family that are in the military that's something that's always been near and dear to me um and they reached out to me too and their mission was great and their products are just as good too. So I am thrilled to be able to help them out and they've grown a lot too, but I just think it's something that for better or worse, the more they get influencers, the more it helps them out. But at the same time too, it's not for me, I don't look at it as, Oh, I'm going to the highest bidder. I know some people are, some people aren't, but, um, the others are, So if you got
0: approached by somebody okay for if you got approached by somebody that you were neutral about their their them as a company like you didn't have a you didn't feel like they were um serving a greater good to some some extent but they were offering way more would you would you um would you do work for them
1: Potentially. I mean, if to be a completely transparent, honest, like if no, a, I
0: appreciate the honesty,
1: if a big company like Cabela's came to me or something or first light or whatever else, it's something I think about too. But I've, I've had, I can't remember which companies, but I've had a handful of companies where I just didn't think they had great products or it was a company that wasn't local or I just wasn't terribly interested in their products. I mean, some fishing companies were. I was, it was more like, okay, if you do this for us, we'll pay you for it, which for me, it's never why I wanted to get into this or do this and grow the platform. It was always to show people the great companies and great products and help others out. Um, so do,
0: do any year of the people you're doing work for uh, pay you? No,
1: I'll get free products and, yeah. That that is it. I've not. I'm trying to think before I say this. I have not made a dollar on any of the sponsors that I've worked with. So yeah. P.S. Seasoning Patriot Coolers, uh, Toadfish Outfitters, which is a salt based uh, fishing and um like cooking company out of Charleston, South Carolina that make like fishing rods, reels. They have. Crab Claw Crackers, stuff like that. That's another company.
0: So they reached out to you as well? Yeah. So why would they be interested in an influencer that was like from the Midwest?
1: Well, I think for me too, it it was something that even in my business background, everything too, you, you need to diversify. And even if they are based on the salt like on the coast and for saltwater stuff, obviously I'm not going to use a crab cracker crab claw crackers or oyster shuckers or whatever else it may be as much as people who live in Maine or Carolinas or Florida or whatever too. But from my standpoint, the fishing rods I, I loved because they they're saltwater based, but I mean, and you're still, you need long cast for bass or Northern and you need the flexibility when you're vertical jigging for walleye and it was something that even though it wasn't freshwater focused i thought it was a really good opportunity and something that i'd use and love okay so
0: that's why they reached out to you is because they knew you were an angler yeah like uh, maybe this handsome young feller will fish with some of our rods
1: yeah pretty much okay i don't know about the handsome part but maybe the fishing part too um And then the other big one, too, is just our local Appleton Shields. And although Shields is a big business, it's our local sporting goods store. We have Cabela's in town now. Um, But Shields does so much to give back to the community and helps people out. And mission-wise, I really like what they stand for. So that was the biggest thing with working with them as a local company and a big business, but a small business because it's the local store. Yeah. Um, And I think that's it. I have I've done some stuff with like a small clothing company, startup clothing company called Canis, as well as a outdoor clothing company that sells. They don't have their own brands. They have a bunch of different brands. Um, but other than that, that's about it for companies I work with.
0: Uh, Do you have a solid sense of whether or not you're selling products for them?
1: Yes and no. Um, I'd like to think a lot of it is less based on what I shoot or what I catch and more about what I stand for with outdoors and just everything in general, whether it's cooking and I mean, even on my social media page, when I know you've talked about this before, but um, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm sure you can find some grip and grin pictures out there, but eighty or ninety percent of my social media is cooking-based or pictures of grouse feathers or duck feathers or the sunrise in the morning or a logging road or me back in the woods or just hanging out in a field with buddies. And I've always loved showing that side of it too. Um, so that's, that's why I'd like to think, obviously with the followers too, that helps, but I, I, I'd like to think that I'm not selling the products through what I shoot or what I kill and more about the lifestyle around it that I,
0: yeah, I, I looked into, uh, like revenue generation with, with influencer advertising a bit and, based on what i could find it like on average uh companies generate about $6.50 for every dollar that they they invest
1: i I, be, I believe that too i mean it's something for a lot of these companies too that they're essentially breaking even that there's or i shouldn't say breaking even there's giving you the product at cost so it's not the 300 or 400% markup that you might buy in the store so it's it's saving them some money, but it's helping us out. But on the same flip side too, they aren't putting any marketing dollars for me to put a picture of their product up or to talk about their products. So it's it's free marketing. And when you have enough influencers, and that's one of the biggest things is with these small businesses, I know how tight budgets and everything can be too, that a lot of these small companies can't have a marketing division because it's a mom-pa company that's growing that you can do the sales and marketing and me being in sales and having a marketing background degree. That's something I've always appreciated doing and enjoyed. So that's the biggest part of me with that too. Okay. So besides
0: getting swag, do you have other motivations for like sharing your hunting lifestyle? I think the uh, biggest. With Strangers.
1: The biggest thing for me when I started, and it kind of goes back to what I touched based on before, it wasn't to change people. It wasn't, it wasn't to show people this is why hunting is okay or to change their minds. It was to make them understand that hunting isn't about sitting there with a big 180 inch white tail or whatever it may be. It's not about catching a huge fish and look at what I caught and gloating. Yeah, obviously when you shoot a monster buck or catch a huge fish, it's a good feeling and For better or worse, those pictures might go up. But the biggest thing for me was I wanted to show them that this is why we do it. It's not for the end product. It's for everything around it. And that's something that and maybe not on every post. There's times where, for better or worse, there is a gripping grin or a pile of ducks or pile of fish. But overall, I've always tried to stay in the mindset of why I got into this and show others that this is why I appreciate hunting and this is what it means to me to help them understand more so why so many people love the outdoors and um it's something too that I've had a lot of people that don't hunt or don't fish approach me and have asked me questions or have said you know what I really want to get into this but I just I didn't have anyone I've always loved hunting and I've gone once or twice but I didn't have a dad or an uncle that taught me and no one in my family hunts, but I love being out in nature. And, um, that's something that I've always appreciated even prior to this. But now, especially like one thing with, uh, local shields, we did a giveaway for Turkey season and it was some decoys and some calls. And I think a gift card to their store. And, um, the person who randomly won reached out to me after and said, um, like you don't understand what this means to me. He's like, I'm 20 years old. I'm working a couple jobs. I'm trying to pay for a house, um, pay for a car. And he's like, I-, I love the outdoors. I just don't have the fiscal ability to buy this stuff right now. And he's like, you, he's like, you bought brought tears to my eyes when I saw that I got this stuff. Cause it was stuff I needed and wanted, but I couldn't afford. So for me, I, I love helping others out and, that's not why I do this to feel good about myself, but it does feel really good when you hear those stories and situations like that, of people that you give them the opportunity. They have the passion and they have the want to get out there. They just don't have the money or the ability to.
0: Mm. Uh, so do you, you feel like some people have gotten into your, gotten, gotten into, into hunting, um, as a consequence of your
1: probably, I mean, I I know that's something you touch base on a lot and have talked about and crowding in general. And I, I don't think obviously I'm not like Steve or some of the other big outdoorsmen or Randy Newberg or guys with, who hunt that are have huge followings like Rogan or um, whoever else. But I'm sure that there has been people for better or worse that have said, I want to get into hunting because I see what this kid does. I just hope that I think nowadays though, and that's another reason why I do it. They're still going to see the Newbergs, Steve Rinella, whoever else. I want to make sure that if they're getting into it. They're getting in for the right reasons. And it's not to go shoot the biggest animal or whatever. It's to appreciate the outdoors and the trip and spending time with family members and friends and all the aspects that don't get shown or talked about a lot.
0: Um, yeah, but, okay, so a couple of things. It seems to me that there's a lot of people that are doing the field-to-table um, approach now. Yeah. Like, don't you think? Like, I here's think Here's me with my mushrooms. Here's me with my dog. Yeah. And now look at what I cooked up and just, like, I, I it, they might not be... There might... There's a lot of people that like they're, maybe they're not they're not bragging about a trophy, but it still strikes me as a form of of bragging. Yeah, like, it's you know here's my you know look I at my wonderful uh, how talented I am what a great cook I am look at my wonderful lifestyle
1: and it's probably uh, I mean that's not. That's not why I do it or innately why it's done, but it, it probably can come across that way at times or it's a. You'd
0: be in the minority based on my, based on my research. If there's not an element of bragging in it, then you're a, a minor in the minority.
1: And Obviously there's been times where for it's like shooting a big buck on opening day up North and you see that guy with his tailgate down going 20 and a 45 and going through town and you're sitting there thinking, I know that guy lives five miles outside of town and for better or worse there's there is that breaking aspect at times and the outdoors but um I think that's something too if you don't mind uh, that I touched based on in that post about you if you're fine with me reading that too no go ahead so uh a little bit of a read but um posted a picture with a basket eight pointer I shot you can find it on my Instagram uh for anyone that's listening, but the words were uh, verbatim. When I made this account, I tried to keep away from controversy. This post will probably create some, but I feel like it's a post that needs to be shared. Matt Ranella recently had an opinion piece that's been taken down, but I think it brings up a lot of interesting controversial topics. Obviously at the time it was taken down, it's now back up, but going on. Some of it I don't agree with, some of it I do, but as a larger account with almost 20,000 followers, I think Many of the lar- larger counts have strayed from what really got us in. So shooting hundred and eighty, 170-inch buck, great, yeah. Is holding up a 54-inch musky incredible? Absolutely. But that's not why we got into this. Do we all yearn for that next world record? 100%. It's what any outdoorsman dreamed, as, dreamed of as a kid. I still do today. However, it's not what made us fall in love with the outdoors. It was long walks down a logging road with a mentor we looked up to. It was getting enough panfish for a fish fry at the cabin it was to be blessed with the best free-range meat that the world provides. It was the sights and sounds of nature that leave us speechless. Nowadays, someone posts posts a picture of a basket buck, like this one I shot for a few years back, or has their limit of large mouth and a stringer. And a lot lot of times, more hate comes than praise. As a hunting community, we need to unite rather than divide. Not everyone has private land. Not everyone has the money to take a trip with a guide. Not everyone had someone there above them to teach them the ropes. The end result is great. But hunting and fishing are so much more than that. It's the journey. It's the meat. There are tears. There's frustration. There are humbling experiences. And I've always tried to show that aspect of the outdoors. Some of my greatest trips ended without a trigger pulled or a non-trophy that provides some meat for the freezer. But I think that's the motto I've always tried to live by with this. But I I agree so much with you that, especially on the point that you see even on hunting shows and i grew up watching them and i still watch some of them but you see guys going out like you say drop three or five elk a year and it's like who the hell unless you have a family of 12 and eating it every single meal who needs that many elk and if yeah he, and and i
0: and i'm the controversial one
1: yeah take take a cow then i mean i went out elk hunting uh two falls ago with my wife's cousin who lives out in wyoming and we did a public land archery hunt over the counter tag in northern colorado about 40 minutes north of steamboat and it was one of those experiences where he had a great quote and he said until you've taken 20 public land elk you shoot the first legal animal you see and it wasn't that oh you just want to shoot something shoot it it was people don't appreciate how tough a public land over-the-counter elk tag is and he's like everyone comes out here expecting to shoot a monster six by six but that's not what's going to happen. I mean, even for us, and this guy's a phenomenal elk hunter. But we we put on miles and miles every day. We took horseback in nine miles from the trailhead, that was twenty six miles off the closest paved road, and hunted for eight days, every minute of daylight. And we saw one really nice bull that we bumped heading back down to camp, and then we saw three other cows. And I drew back on a cow, but just never got a shot, but it's not, and that's hunting. And it was one of the best trips of my life, and one I'll cherish and always remember. But I, I never, I drew back once. I never let an arrow fly. But people just don't realize what hunting is all about, and a lot of people, for better or worse, think you know what? I'm just going to go show up and camp in a truck and walk a mile in and shoot my bull and leave the next day.
0: Um. So that that's the. A- that's a theme of, that's why you do, that's a big part of why you do what you do then is because you're trying to educate non hunters about hunting.
1: Partially. Yeah. And I think just even for hunters too. And I, I mean, I've, I've done two trips to Montana. I've been lucky enough to do that where we hunted on a ranch for antelope one time and antelope and muley Another time I did a um, high fence hog hunt on like 2,500 acres down in Texas. And those were a blast, but I, 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 public land hunt, at my deer camp, I hunt up in Forest County, which is in Northern Wisconsin, which there are no deer up there. I mean, I've been hunting up there for 17 years and I'll go way back into the woods and scout and do everything. And I think I've seen three bucks over those 17 years up there too, that I want people to know just because the guy next to you shot a monster buck doesn't mean this is the norm and it doesn't make him a better hunter than the next guy, because there's locals up there that come out with nice bucks every single year that are a million times better hunters than these people who are posting monsters or shooting monsters every year. And there's nothing wrong with hunting on private land. And there's, I bone. What about
0: about leasing land or hiring a guide that leases up land?
1: It's not something that interests me. I see why people do it. And like, even in Florida, we go down to Florida every year. My grandma, lived down there until she passed away and I went out with some charter boats and paid 300 bucks whatever to go fishing and part of it was to learn because I never saltwater fish so yeah,
0: I, I I think of that as different um, yeah but I think, because the, but if you go out with somebody on the ocean and charter a charter boat that doesn't prevent other people from going out
1: especially. yeah and so. I think the leasing thing and you've touched base on it for better or worse hunting's becoming more monetized and yeah
0: more than touch base i'd say that's a
1: major part of my
0: my my big big part of my platform is i think that's the biggest fuck you that hunters do to other hunters is be like i'm gonna lease this all up and i'm gonna be the one that gets to go here and and you're not and and i'm gonna or i'm gonna hire this outfitter that's leased it all up and i'm gonna get to go in there with him and 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 you're you're not gonna get to go there it's like i think that that's just like, I think that hunters should be, we should be a community of people to look out for one another. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that that's just, you know, so I was just curious if you opposed it or
1: or not. Yeah. I mean, if you have the money good for you, but at the same time, I think the biggest part about well, it, just because
0: you can do something or can afford to do something doesn't make it right.
1: No. And I think the arrogance, So too, I
0: guess I'm cur- curious if you think it's wrong or right.
1: I don't morally, I don't, have i i have more of an issue with the people that do that of how of how they act if they act more superior like oh look at this deer and it's like well yeah dude you have two thousand acres to hunt in buffalo county wisconsin like good for you i can't afford that but at the same time too there are people i know who do that that are some of the best damn hunters and they could go anywhere and shoot a deer or get a turkey but then there's also the people that do it because that's what they have to rely on to get their meat or to get their trophy. But I think how you carry yourself when you do that stuff. And like I said, I've been on a couple pay for hunts. But doesn't
0: and- it bother you that if they weren't leasing that up from a farmer or a rancher or ho- out hiring an outfitter that leased it up from a farmer or a rancher, that 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 farmer and rancher would allow probably allow, have, would allow some public hunting.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah I
0: mean, I, doesn't that like doesn't that just kind of make it so that we become like Europe? Yeah, Um, no,
1: that definitely. Do we want, I
0: mean, maybe you want, maybe you're okay with us becoming like Europe. I don't know. But to me, that's like, how is that not us becoming like Europe? No, I agree. And I think it's I don't know. It's like, that's the thing with, that's what makes it me, gives me the liberty, a liberty that people, other people like yourself and bigger names don't have. Is because I can just look at stuff like that and say it's bullshit. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't, nothing, I have nothing to lose. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, they're not going to stop giving me coolers because of it, because I'm not getting coolers in the first place, you know? Yeah. So that's like a one, one area where, one of the many areas where why I think, why we, why we think things are okay that are not okay is because everybody with a voice is telling us that they're okay. And that's because they're the beneficiaries of all the shit that's like kind of tacky and rude and selfish.
1: Well, and it definitely bothers me, but I think the thing about it that bothers me more, and I don't want to group everyone into it too, but those are usually the people that are the ones that, treat the land poorly. And even, I mean, turkey hunting, I have permission on eight farms around my house that i knocked on doors and asked permission in person and gave them a case of beer or a gift card at times, just not to get the permission, but as a thank you for them being generous to show them like, Hey, I'm not going to be that asshole because I know they're probably yeah, well, that's, that's
0: know. key, man. Like what I mean, Yeah. So <laughs> I, I do that as well. I don't want any, I would hate for people to come away from here thinking that Giving somebody a gift because they let you hunt, that I oppose that. That is definitely not the case. I think that that's, I think that that's uh, like it builds so much goodwill when somebody lets you on if you give them something, just something even small thing, you know?
1: And I don't want to be the guy that is the reason why you can't hunt there, the next guy can't hunt there. And I always tell everyone, like, hey, especially the farmers, I know how how tough it is farming right now with crop prices and everything. And I tell them like, you know, I'm not going to drive through your fields. I'm going to park to the side. So you don't lose a day of work if you need to get in that day. And I'm not aware of it. If I, if I'm out dove hunting and blasting 200 shells that day, I'm going to pick up my shells because I I don't want to ruin it for myself, but especially the next guy.
0: Yeah. That's pretty amazing to me that you have eight farms where you can hunt.
1: Yeah. You can hunt deer there too. No, just turkeys, but it's uh probably a thousand. I think it's like nine, I was looking on Onyx, it's like nine hundred and ninety-four acres. So the, the deer hurt. hunting
0: is leased up or it's like um family only or something like that.
1: And that's like I don't even ask for deer hunting because most of the farmers are all deer hunt themselves for the meat and just with the family and nieces, nephews, grandkids, but a lot of them don't turkey hunt, it seems, because that's their planting time too. Um, but yeah, still haven't managed Went over one on my first tag, even though I have roughly a thousand acres, didn't get out as much as I wanted to, but, um, I, yeah, I just, these people, it's, it's their land. They're kind enough to let you on there. and
0: Well, oh, I, yeah, I, I just, I just, uh, released an episode today with, with it was with a friend of mine and a outfitter.
1: Was that, oh, episode, Was that was the third one. Yeah. I, I saw to it today. I wasn't sure when it released, but I saw it out today. Okay. So. You did listen to it or you haven't?
0: No, I did. Oh, you did. Okay. So, but yeah. I, so You, you know where I'm, you, you, you know where that, then you know that like, for, for me, as for you, I think of uh hunter behavior as a major threat, poor hunter behavior is a major threat to the future of. Of getting access. like you
1: said don't take a shit at the he- at the trailhead and leave it sitting there i mean yeah
0: but I, yeah etc etc
1: and i think too that it just goes back to respecting other hunters and we have uh nine acres of private land that's swampy on a river south town that was passed down in the family that we duck on that but it sucks because it's gotten to the point where We've had blinds broken. We've—I used to keep decoys out there, and I had like twelve hundred dollars worth of duck decoys stolen. And the worst part is, we got out there, and the decoys were gone. But they kept like ten or twelve decoys and threw them up into the trees as high as they could, as like a fuck you. Like I said to my wasn't enough
0: just to just to steal them.
1: I said I I would have been pissed that they stole the decoys, but just steal the fucking decoys. You don't yeah like that that loses permission for people or gives oh yeah other hunters a bad taste and I, if you have private land you should be able to keep stuff out there and not worry about your windows getting smashed on your trailer or decoys getting stolen or whatever else it may be
0: mm-hmm.
1: but i think that leads to a lot of the leasing stuff too and i know you talked about that on your podcast that so many farmers and people are like i just don't want to deal with the people and the bullshit like i'd rather get paid for it and if someone screws it up i'm not gonna let them hunt there but i I almost have a leverage or a bargaining chip that if a field gets torn up or something happens that it's not me giving out permission to someone for free.
0: Yeah. It, it, everybody has a, every landowner has a different tolerance level. I suppose uh, I have seven acres that, I mean, nobody has, I think one person has taken me up in this and in, in the, in this for the last eight years, I've had trespassing allowed signs on it. Yeah. I think one day, one time I saw some kids out looking at, at my llamas and I'm sure that was because of, you know, they felt comfortable doing it because of the signs, you know? Yeah. And, and I always say if I had, instead of seven, I had 700,000 acres, the signs would read the same. And that's really true. I, I feel like if I was a landowner, a large landowner, and I was getting, I got screwed by people. My impulse wouldn't be to go, okay, that's it. It's all for me now. Yes. Yeah. It's not for anybody else now. You had your chance. You messed it up. I think my impulse would be to try to figure out a way that I could continue to provide access without my property rights being infringed upon yeah um I, I i wish that i wish that other people that were fortunate enough to own large swaths of land felt that way i i have i have radical views about property rights um i i'm not trying I, i'm not advocating that we try to change the law in any way or anything like that. But I I feel like if if you're somebody that owns a whole bunch of property and you don't allow access, it's like, we're all born on this cylindrical speck in the cosmos that is earth. And so there's just in the, as a percentage of what, of what's in existence that we get to experience it's just a tiny tiny fraction of what exists do we get to experience and then to, just to have it be that like and and not only are you confined to this little speck you can't even see this part this part's for me yeah this these land features um this topography you don't get to see that that's for me to see not you
1: Well, and even by our cabin, one of the guys, I could not, I mean, it's thousands, if not tens of thousands of acres that he owns, and he, a lot of it, and I don't know if it's still this way, but a lot of his, inside parts of his land are MFL land, and open to the public, but they're all managed forest law land, so BLM land, out west that's private land that is just, but for us, it's forestry, so they essentially uh, don't pay taxes on the land and I might be wrong. I'm sure someone's going to correct me, but uh, they don't pay taxes on the land or pay less than taxes to allow the public on the land, but they can, uh, they can also say like, we don't allow ATVs or trucks or whatever, but it's private land that's open to public. But I know that there is this place and it, it still might be this way. I haven't looked to be honest, but there's thousands of acres that were private land that was public, but all the round, all around it was his own private land. So he was reaping the tax benefits, but not allowing people on there.
0: Yeah. You know, that's a huge problem in the West, right? Oh
1: yeah. I mean, and that's the whole corner crossing debate and everything too, but it's in smaller portions, but that's a big issue in Wisconsin that you'll get these areas of private land that you can hunt or use that are public, but they're completely landlocked and not even because of that person. Sometimes but a lot of times there's a couple of 40s around it that are owned by other people privately that don't allow easements or access, but that land in between is open to the public.
0: Yeah. There, there I, I, I feel even more strongly. I mean, like you're not only you're, are you not letting the world experience your deeded, but you're not even, you won't even allow them to experience what's theirs. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Is it that it's just so strikes me as so selfish, man, you know, but it's kind of a out here. I, I, I have to think about this more. I'm starting to think that it's a bit of a, of a red herring, like, the nonprofits and the hunting celebrities and the, and the hunting industry to, to some extent with the hunting industry definitely with the nonprofits and most of the hunting celebrities they they advocate for trying to open up that land yeah um and and for current corner crossing and stuff like that like for corner corner crossing legislation you know what that is right
1: yeah okay That's all- they have so they,
0: they feel great about fighting for that because it's not, it doesn't ruffle too many feathers. So they're all on board with that. And, but like, there's something like 30 million acres of public land in Montana. Mm-hmm. And the landlocked is something like 900,000. So it's only going to increase it access like 3%. Yeah. Compared to what these people cause with getting more people in the hunting, but it goes. Back it's to a pittance, you know?
1: Routing thing, too, that you then open up that 900,000 acres, and a lot of people are going to be bouncing onto that property right away just because they know this hasn't been hunted or whatever. But it, like you said, it frees up. And even when we did our elk hunt, we pulled up to the trailhead, and that was second week of September. My wife's cousin had went out there in August, scouted everything out put his tents up ahead of time and everything. He's like, there was no signs of people. There are elk tracks and beds everywhere. The day I show up, there's about 20 campers. There's guys sitting on sectionals outside their camper with TV hooked up to satellite and everything. And it's just like, Oh my God. Yeah. And I get it. I was, I was an out-of-stater coming out to hunt too. But I, if you open that land, it's just going to provide so much more Access for people, and it's going to be a waterfall, not just in Wyoming, but across the country, and even well, like,
0: but uh, maybe I'm not being clear. But what I'm saying is, it's not going to generate much more
1: access. No, it'll it'll be better than nothing, but it's like you said, it's still three percent. It's not yeah. even a frac. It's better than nothing, but it's not. It's not creating more incentive for BLM land or MFL land or people to take their private lands and open them up to hunting and like you said now with the pay for play almost it's it's incentivizing those people even less to take the tax breaks when they can take the cash or the money on the side and make more off of it too
0: yeah yeah so do you wish there were more hunters
1: if if there were more hunters i wish i wish it were people that the good about more hunters is it creates a lot more tax revenue. It helps out. It helps out habitat. It helps out. Open- uh,
0: we can we can we can we can debate that. I don't. I think it's. I think it's bad for habitat personally. Yeah,
1: but it also hurts habitat that there's more people out there, more people doing stuff too. I, I, I think because of COVID, partially and not the whole reason, but I think a lot more people got out into the outdoors because they had nothing better to do. But I just hope that the people that are getting out, I guess that's my one thing is whether there are more or less, it's I just want the people that are out there to have the appreciation for the land and the true love for the sport, and they aren't doing it for ulterior motives or half-assing it either. So you don't, you don't be respectful about it. So you don't care one way or another if there's more or less. I mean, it would be a lot easier if there was less, because like you said, there wouldn't be crowding, there would be more access, there'd be better, but it's not me personally. For my own sake, I wish there was less. But
0: yeah, but I'm talking about you. Got two buttons in front of you. You can hit the. It stays the same. Left well, three buttons. It stays the same. It 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 increases it or decreases it. So, like, I'm just saying, if you if you get to pick, which which would you pick? Because this is important, that then, in my view, from my perspective, yeah, that that should feed into how you behave to some extent. I mean,
1: I would probably. So,
0: yeah. Less. W- which is it?
1: Lesser stays the same. I mean, I grew up hunting. I grew up hunting from young, and I'd love to see the tradition. I'd love to see. I shouldn't say grow, but grow that we continue to have more—not more overall hunters, but people. That like for me when I have kids that my kids hunt because I do like I love that act that part of hunting but I don't want every Joe to just be like oh look at what this guy shot or this guy did and then go out and create more competition more crowding.
0: So you want want it to stay the same or 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 less? Yeah, but you think that more people have gotten into it because of your social media pref- presence. So you think of that as a negative consequence?
1: Probably. And, and,
0: and so I know. you think educate, educating the public that doesn't the non-hunting public about, it's not just about big game. It's not about big trophies. It's about eating what you shoot, that the value of that is more than offsets the negative consequences of there being more hunters
1: i that i honestly do not know but that's what i'd like to do it wouldn't be when people see my page or post or whatever you want to say i don't want them to say i want to get into hunting because of him but realistically there are people that are probably going to do that and even more so when you're a big name guy like like i said like steve or newberg or nugent or whoever you want to say i hope they look at it and say more i understand why he hunts or if they're already currently hunting it changes their mind of i'm not going out to get my limit i'm not going out to shoot the biggest thing like i appreciate the sport more and it kind of goes back to that post but there were there were so many people that commented or reached out to me that it was so reassuring and uplifting to see how many people said I mean with your views even too but mine on that post that said oh, this perfectly describes how I feel um, what was said and what he wrote was great and I couldn't agree with it more that it was it was reassuring to see that many people on, that side of things too. Yeah,
0: it's funny because they're like, they're, they're reaching out to somebody that I recommend. That's in a category of people that I recommend not following. Yeah. To tell you, like my whole article is about how we shouldn't follow people that show dead game. Well, and I was
1: laughing, talking.
0: About <laughs> so it, they, like... they, then the first thing they do is met <laughs> in response to my article that says hunting would be better off. If there wasn't, if we just didn't put dead and, animals online, they, they message a guy that puts dead animals. Pretty on. much.
1: And it was like some were influencer type where they had a couple thousand followers. Some were no name accounts that had 10 to 15 that you could tell were just on there because they wanted to be on there to keep up with family stuff and maybe show what fish they caught that day, their friends and family. But I was even laughing and I was talking to uh, some buddies and Pat Durkin about it too, but I was like, man, I'm not going to lie. I was terrified to originally get in touch with Matt because I'm like, I feel like I'm walking target here. I'm like, I'd love to discuss. And I think he's a guy that would be great about discussing it and both be level-headed and have some great discussion. But I'd be lying if I said I might get lit up pretty badly on here too. Well, yeah, but what if I did that? You know, here's the thing.
0: I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it at on, on, under, any circumstances i'm just i'm kind of an agreeable person but yeah uh despite what you might have heard when i was on my brother's podcast but <laughs> um but what kind of luck would i have getting more guests oh yeah well you and know, i
1: think if i was a if i was a dick those are the best well sometimes it's funny and you need to be too to certain people because they have that arrogance and they come looking for a fight too but I think too, it's it's what make podcasts and the world and politics and hunting and everything great is, like I said to you, I mean, I know you don't agree with the, the social media side and I understand a lot of that stuff and there's probably some stuff we'd agree to disagree on on that, but at the same time too, it, it's something that discussion is great and it makes for, it, it betters, it just betters society and whatever passions you have too, and I so where, where do we disagree
0: in your viewpoint?
1: Um, I don't think, I don't think there should be less people hunting to the extent that you do. Like the side of me says, I'd love to be able to walk up to any public land and be the only guy that walks every grouse trail that day. But I don't know. Cause I think you said like what, 50% or 60% um, amount of hunters. Yeah. I think that'd be in terms of, I think of it this way.
0: I think, that what we should try to try to be optimizing is the sum total of human happiness brought to people by hunting. And I believe we're long past. And I don't give a shit about pr- like private land hunting. You just take that out of the picture. Cause that's already good hunting in terms of the, the, the people that own the land can control how many people are out there. So that is, The only thing I care about is public land hunting. That's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to optimize. I'm trying to maximize the amount of human happiness that public land hunting brings society. Yeah. And I believe that we are way past the point where increasing the number of hunters increases the net joy that. I I would agree with that. that. Hunters. Yeah. Yeah. That hunting brings, you agree, but you still engage in activities that bring more people in, which is interesting.
1: And that's the thing. So,
0: too. so I like, I, I don't, I don't, where, where does that curve start to, where does that curve plateau? I don't know where it plateaus, but the only thing I know is we're way past where it plateaued and started to go down. Yeah. And, and but, I, and I, and people that make money off hunting, they they either don't see it because they hunt their friends and fanboys freaking ranches or go to remote hunting locations um and put in for tags in every state in the country so they don't see that that's the case or they just don't give a shit because more hunters means more product sales yeah. like but that. but what to my so I don't know if it's a 50% reduction that would maximize the amount Of pleasure joy or satisfaction that hunting public land hunting brings society society i just know that that 50 trucks at the trailhead five zero which is what i experience now in a state that used to be really good hunting
1: that ain't it no and i think too for um for all that too like for me even with the crowding i try and public land i try to like you said, I'm sure I get more people to hunt for better or worse, whether it's what I want or don't want. There are more people out there that are probably hunting even if it's one or two, but the biggest thing with me, and it goes back to the public land of happiness and I try to get people to understand you're not going to get everything out there, but that's not why you're out there in the first place. You're out there because you have a weekend off. You love hunting. You want to be in the woods working your bird dog or up at deer camp. And even for me, I've gotten some great offers to hunt with friends or coworkers on private land in Wisconsin for deer season. And it's tough to say no, but I always tell them, you know what, that's not why I go up to deer camp. I go up to deer camp for the camaraderie. I go up there because it's the tradition. It's where I grew up hunting. It's, It's seeing the people I see maybe once or twice a year otherwise. And yeah, if I shoot a deer, that's great, but that's the last reason I'm going up there is to shoot a deer. Well, I get out and hunt heavily? Absolutely. But I'm not going up to deer camp yearning as the highest point to get a deer because I know I'm not going to most deer,s And that's, I'm not going to let that affect my happiness. My happiness is staying out there with, in the morning and the anticipation of, okay, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year. And mm-hmm. just all. Yeah. More.
0: Yeah. I'm different than that. I, I go out there to get one. And when I don't get one, I'm l- way less happier than if I had gotten one. Like well, now, that's,
1: if, your camp's if, if, if I
0: could look in the, if I'm about to take a week off and go hunting in the mountains and I can look in a crystal ball and be like, and I'm going to go to a place that I hunt a lot. So I already know the place. It's not like I'm learning new terrain, but I could look in a crystal ball and be like, okay, you're not going to get one. I would I'd go to work. Would you? Like for, oh yeah. For me, it's, I'm out there to get one.
1: So, well, that's why I'm out there too, but it's uh, like they say a bad day at hunting, a bad day of hunting beats a good day at work,
0: but I, I don't care one way or the other, what people's motivations are. If they're, if their motivations are, they just, yeah. And I disagree with that. I'd rather be at work getting stuff done, but like, I don't care if it's too, for the experience or, They're solely focused on trying to get, get a big one. I don't care what, what I can't understand is the motivation to have to show everybody. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to, you know, I've been trying to explore with you. It's like, I hear you say, it's like so important that non hunters see that, that like there's, I get best I can see, I can paraphrase is that there's some hunters out there that aren't just about the trophy. Like, why is that message so critical? I mean, there's so many people that are given that message. I I just don't know that many hunters that are like, go around, oh, all they want to do is get the big one. All they want is a trophy. Like, it just doesn't seem like a major misconception that exists in society today. If, If it ever existed, if it did exist, it seems like it's certainly vanquished by now with so many people like out there shooting a, a duck or a squirrel or a doe and making food out of it. It's like, isn't the point made?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think too with the whole crowding thing, it's just how much, how many more people, not even hunting, but are in the world in general. And I mean, growing up in Green Bay, we live just outside the pier, which is one of the suburbs which probably has, I don't even know, I should know, but probably 20, 30,000 people in it. The high school is now, and the main street that goes through it, the main street used to be railroad tracks, and my dad every day in high school would step over the railroad tracks, and he'd go Hungarian partridge hunting and pheasant hunting right there. And you're lucky if you see a pheasant in the area now, and there's, I don't know of anyone that's seen a hunt around here, and it's just, the cities are growing up so much now, too. Yeah,
0: the 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 there's 40,000 more people forty percent more people now than when your dad was a kid
1: yeah and
0: square foot square feet of housing per person has doubled that's so not that, so and then it's not just the, it's just not the houses taking up the space but look at all the industry that's required to manufacture and maintain all that housing is so
1: well, I
0: I fully recognize that there are more people and less habitat and that's part of the reason why there's crowding issues but some of it could be mitigated if people weren't if the nonprofits would get rid of stop with trying to recruit more people into an already oversaturated pastime yep and if hunters in my mind if they Disincentivized people on social media and hunting TV that are trying to promote it by just unplugging from it. Then, if you're if you're somebody like me that thinks the problem, the threat, the issue, the deterrent to good hunting is 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 people every freaking place, then. That's the logical step. Yeah. But I I gather that for you, you think that that's not the biggest threat and not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is that non-hunters think
1: it's all about trophies. And we got to drive home that it's not all about trophies. And I think they work simultaneously. I think they're both very big things and big points. I just look at too how many farmers or people that own family property that I've asked permission on that don't hunt too. That there there is so much private land in addition to public land that's overhunted, but there's so much private land that people have had bad experiences with someone hunting on their land. They aren't around hunters. They don't like hunting. They don't agree with hunting. That I think, in addition to the crowding thing, we could open up a lot more opportunity. You might have to knock on a door and ask or get out there a little earlier in the season to get permission. But I think there's a lot of people out there that don't allow hunting just because they're against it. And on top of it too, with the lack of land and stuff, I mean, how many people want property nowadays and they're on, I mean, it's different in Montana or there's huge swaths of land, but I mean, even in green Bay area in Wisconsin, people on five, 10, 20, 40 acres that that used to be public land or hunting land that, they own it and they don't hunt it now that I think it opens up potential for what opens up potential. Just like if, if you could, if the population of as a whole, no one was against, no one was against hunting. And obviously we'll never get to that, but you'd open a lot more. I'm not saying more than like corner crossing stuff like that, but it's going to open up a lot more spots too. where if the lady with the 40 acres next door hates hunters. If that's gone too, that opens up that area
0: that's an that's an interesting argument i i i think of i think i think the opposite i think all the promotion um creates a demand for hunting access so so i think it locks out people that and that insist on doing it for free
1: and and i think like you said too with the leases and everything And social media is a big thing with that too. And like I said, I know I'm on social media and everything, but so much of the influencers in hunting are sitting there for content and likes based on how big of an animal they shoot is, and they know if I go or
0: just like or just the lifestyle, like the the rugged outdoor guy feeding myself off of nature, signaling stuff, you know. Like, I don't think it's just the trophies. I think that's a big, it's the trophies. It's the, look how fit I am. It's the, wow, I know, you know, how to cook all this crazy stuff. Aren't I old timey and cool and rugged.
1: Cooking out in the woods, cooking right next to the river you catch your fish on. Yeah.
0: And here's me with my tent and cooking over the fire, man. Don't you wish you had a great freaking peaceful lifestyle like me? You know? Yeah. My wife, uh I know it's all bullshit because of my wife. My wife, she, she Does she
1: hunt or eat wild game? What's that? Does she hunt at all or eat wild game or she has she's
0: kind of developed a penchant for spearfishing, which cracks me up because That's it's funny. the last thing I ever thought she would enjoy when we got married seven years ago. But so, but the reason I know that one reason I know it's all bullshit is that I look at her posts because she's, she's uh pretty active in social media of her and I, and it looks like we're having a great time. And some, a lot of time we are, but quite often I'll remember that moment and know that I was in a shit mood and we were half arguing, you know?
1: doesn't always tell a story and same way with the bowl that you shoot a big bowl or you shoot a buck and everyone's like man that's awesome and you're like well yeah i had to fucking lug the thing out nine miles through the rain and dark too
0: yeah but hunters a lot of times they make a big deal out of that because it shows how tough they are yeah you know and i don't know it's just to me it's just kind of like a part of it me is it's just too personal man it's just too that shooting something it's like it's too sacred it's too personal be trotting it out online well and, and then having companies approach you because you have a like uh, uh, uh a proven chat tra- track record of being able to generate carcasses yeah and i think so that's, that's just fucking not that's just it's just not what i mean it just takes something i love dearly it makes a spectacle out of it.
1: It's like the people you see that, and maybe you don't see us because you're not on social media. But Well, com- I
0: hold my nose and look at it. I got to understand what, what I'm well, commenting I gotta, on.
1: Will you ever look at her phone and just like kind of go through to see what the rest I'm, of the world is up to on Instagram? I'm, do I do it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wait. Yeah. I, it, it's, I gotta, I gotta be in a really good mood <laughs> because it, it's so depressing to me. Hey, have you thought about that? Like what about the mental health consequences of it? Oh, absolutely. Which are overwhelmingly negative.
1: I think it's different now being an adult in my late twenties, but shit, I mean like high school and even college to degree, but like there's so many kids that, and I hate social media. I hate technology. I use it daily for work. I'm on Instagram a bunch. I'm on social media a bunch. Otherwise, but I think it does so much bad, especially for kids that haven't fully mentally developed yet. That yeah, and your audience, you said, are 15 year old kids. Yeah. See, yeah. I think what you're modeling to these kids, if
0: they're following you, is ooh, I want to start shooting stuff and growing my following. Which maybe so, I am. And it, it that yeah. just it's a terrible reason to get into hunting, in my viewpoint. I well, know. Here's the thing, Bo. I know I can tell just by talking to you that if Mark Zuckerberg had never been born, you'd still hunt. Absolutely.
1: You
0: know? But I'm not so I'm not so sure of that for a lot of these young folks. I think it's part and parcel of getting into hunting for a lot of them, is that it goes hand in hand with going hunting is part of the reward might be a set of horns or hide for the wall or some meat. Um, but right up there with it is, is, is the fucking bullshit bragging likes. likes likes like becoming a hero. And then that's where I just start to get so pissed. Because I just don't think that should be. What, what shouldn't be among the rewards of hunting?
1: Well, and if if I did it for the likes, I mean, I wouldn't be very good at it because there's accounts with less that get a lot more likes and a lot more comments and whatever. But that's does not that why. Make,
0: does that bum you out when you're yeah. like, man, this guy's growing way
1: faster than me. Well, I, not really. I mean. Oh, come on, a little bit. Maybe a little, but at the same time too, it just, it's, and it's so tough nowadays with Instagram and these companies that so many of them are anti-hunting that, I mean, in all seriousness for me, with my 23 or whatever it is, thousand followers, I'm lucky on most posts if all those 23,000, I'm lucky if 4,000 of them see that. They just- but Biggest. you
0: wish it was bigger it's not like it's not like you've kept it small on purpose no so exactly. i mean just the fact that that's just a that's just a, a matter of happenstance that just happens to be a smaller account you wish it was much larger so i don't like it's not like if it grew your account grew a shitload that you'd then shut it down so i mean you 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 wish that it was bigger so it doesn't, I mean, I'm more interested in people's cons- or, or rationale for doing what they do than the consequences when it comes to this.
1: And I think that was, and I know I've touched based on this a bunch, but I mean, when I started, it was like my wife just saying, hey, just make an account. And that was never, it was never when I started, and I still try to not make it that way. Now that it's a bigger account and has grown so much. It was never to say, I want to be, I want to be a big time person. I want to be getting this for free. I want to be going to hunt this property because someone wants me to hunt and promote it. Or I wanted to do it because I, I love the hell out of hunting. And it's something I enjoy. And I love the photography aspect of it. And I know he touched base on that last episode three too. But there's plenty of days where I'll go out and take pictures for someone else and not even be hunting or go drive around the fields around my house and watch the ducks and geese coming in and landing and taking pictures. Like, I just, I love being outdoors and I love nature in general. And
0: Yeah, I, I know this about you. I, I believe that in my core. I just, I just struggle with. But it's so ironic. Whether, because whether or not, like, what about all the people that love it like you do, but don't have to show strangers? I mean, is it fair to. Like, I know you'll say you only have a few followers, but you'd still be doing it if you had a lot. Mm -hmm. Is it fair to people that love it enough? I think the most passionate hunters. I mean, look at you. The most passionate hunters out there, the ones, the people that love it the most, don't do it. Yeah. So is it fair? I just think it's like, I, I've done nothing to impact anybody else's hunting negative leaks, you know, yeah. through, through gen- content generation, which is not something that other people, the people that generate content can say. You no. know, I'm, um, I've
1: influenced people. I mean, I've influenced people.
0: You're not just influenced. You should, like, there's a part of me that thinks you should tell people where you're hunting. Because if, shouldn't you be the one that has to shouldn't you have to be the one that suffers the consequences? Like why sh- you like the accolades um, that you get, right? So should you get an extra added on benefit besides the meat and the experience is you get accolades. So, but shouldn't you have to pay for the accolades? Why should other people that hunt quietly and, and just
1: and that the the meat and the hide and the horns is enough why should they have to pay for your accolades it's funny you actually bring it up too because my friends will give me shit about that when we're up north bird hunting or whatever and a lot of my posts i'll put the city like depure or wabino or green bay or whatever and just the general area i might not drop a pin and say hey come hunt this trail but when we're up north at the bars by our cabin i'll be talking to the locals and my friends. Be like, why- why would you tell him where we were hunting today? I'm like, you do not think that guy knows exactly where on the trail I was when I, like, I, it's uh,
0: just, yeah, I, I believe that every, every post that a social media hunter puts on, up should have, if they were, if they, if they really were just, they would be Latin long on it. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. and I think one other great part that you bring up too with that is the whole, downside of it too you miss something you wound something it sucks but it's part of hunting it's always been a part of hunting it always will be anybody that doesn't put that every that on every time
0: in my mind is is lying by omission but
1: and there's probably been times where i missed a duck or pheasant or whatever and didn't say it but i mean shit last night me and my buddy went out turkey hunting and it's not the missing it's the wounding and we had three opportunities and couldn't make it work and we're just doing spotting stocks or trying to reap them and couldn't make it work and trying to what them reap them reap them not rape reap like take a strutter decoy and like crawl out towards them to get them fired up and get them to charge you oh that's, called, know, re- that's, that's called reaping that's what people call it around here i don't know if that's a i mean we call water fountains bubblers in wisconsin too so i don't know if that's just a local thing okay or,
0: yeah, no, that's a, that. Yeah, that's a uh, an adjective I w- or a verb I was not familiar with.
1: Sounds pretty bad. Asking, re- which is why re- I, I like? <laughs> oh <that>. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people against that too. They're like, dude, you aren't a real turkey, especially like people in the south. I have some followers from the south that, uh when I tell them I was out crawling out at a turkey or running and gunning and trying to sneak up and pop them, oh, that's not real turkey hunting. And to each their own. But I mean, even last night we didn't get anything and didn't have anything wrong with saying couldn't get it done at the buzzer All for 1 on my first tag got a little ambitious and it didn't work out for me (laughs) but last year I mean even like I uh
0: it's like that's what they that's I I think I think that the future of hunting in America is in dire straits with how so much I think it's because of hunting social media and hunting tv and these guys think that, it, that it's worth commenting on the fact that you hold up a tail and go towards the freaking bird.
1: It's a fucking rush, though, when they come in hot. But, yeah, there's people are Oh, like, I've done it. I just didn't know what it was called. Oh, yeah. I mean, running and gunning or whatever, but we always – well I've never, like – I mean, I've just belly crawled with a tail. Yeah. No, I have, like – Now we're
0: going against one of my fundamental cardinal rules, which is not to give hunting advice on this program because now yeah. – I don't. Oh, that's not. That's well, I, I don't know if
1: it'd be, I don't know if it'd be good advice because I didn't get shit done doing it. So probably yeah. helping. Him until yeah. I'm telling
0: not Yeah. If you uh, If you want to say stuff that leads new hunters astray, then uh, go ahead and hold
1: court. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I think y- you bring up uh, the great point too with like wounding stuff. And I mean, even last year we were up at our cabin and saw the third buck I had seen and. And I would have gotten fucking shit for it had I posted a picture of it. It was basket six, basket eight. It wasn't tiny. It was right at the ears, but it's not one that you see going up on a wall or going on social media. And I, I would have posted it and explained why I was thrilled about this deer on public land hunting. It's not about the size of the rack. It's 17 years. And it's the first buck I would have shot up there and came through at about 70 yards and thought I had a clear shot through my scope, shot, and it hit a little popple tree and must ricochet because I saw, I could see that damn tree that was half an inch wide. Found some hair, looked for three hours, didn't find any blood or anything, took every exit route it could have taken off the one trail and never found it. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell people because this is what hunting is. Like, Yeah, you, I oppose that too. But, and, and that's you know what, Do you know too. what I'm saying? Do you understand my point? Of... I oppose showing it too. Oh yeah. Cause, and that's the thing too. It's I'm not okay. going to show and, so and you,
0: you, you get, you get my point though. Like that, I oppose not
1: showing it and I oppose showing it. We all know what a grim reaper broadhead does to a Turkey head. We know what a 300 wind mag does to a small doe at 20 or 30 yards. Like, and that's the one thing too, is like some people's mentality is we need to show every aspect of hunting and I don't want to hide aspects of hunting, but there's no reason, I mean, like me doing medical sales, like, you know what happens and what a broken leg looks like. You don't have to show that to people. You don't have to be sitting there showing someone that this turkey's head came clear off or you shot No, him.
0: I, yes, I well, yeah, obviously I agree. But there are and, people that
1: do that. And there are those accounts that do that and show. Oh, the, it's fronting, But it's like, that's, and that's just my opinion. But I'm like, that's.
0: And no, I, I, I oppose kill shots. For more than I oppose showing dead animals, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, I think if you, if you don't show when you wound, then you're you're lying to people, yeah. and if you do show it, you're threatening the future of hunting, for other people that don't show any of it, and it goes like against that. So in my mind, the only, the only, uh, just choice is to just show none of it.
1: Yeah, and I always try to be honest, and I think a lot of that too. And this just is my personal opinion, but I try to show the good and the bad. But I, even the good and even the bad, I don't try to make it sensual or make it like so gruesome or gory. Like I might say, yeah, I missed a deer, or hit one and didn't found it, didn't find it because I, I'm being honest. But I'm not, I'm not gonna say, oh, I made a gut shot, I found. I found, I knew it was a gut shot because of that, sir, whatever. like. So if somebody, you're like, on one level,
0: you're like, the threat, the threat is that non-hunters think it's all about trophy hunt. There's not one part of you that goes, the threat is
1: anti-hunters finding out about wound loss? I think that's the second biggest thing for me, too. Like, I, I mean, Africa hunts and people going and shooting elephants and lions, and that's a whole different topic, too, but like, that pisses off the non-hunting crowd, whether you agree with it or not. It's it's They don't want to see something at the zoo that's shot.
0: Right. But
1: at the same time, too, a lot of it goes down to, and I don't think, I think that's the biggest thing, too, and something I always try to explain is just because we hunt and we shoot these animals and eat them doesn't mean that we don't respect the hell out of them, too, which is why I hate on social media when you see someone take a beer and hit it off a of turkey spur and shotgun it or pour a drink out of down a fish's gills and drink it out or whatever the crazy shit you see on the internet these days but oh,
0: yeah.
1: it's it's nuts but like oh. and there's those few bad grapes that make it everyone look bad but i don't i don't want to turn people off from hunting in that regard too because i do respect the animals that we hunt and i love the hell out of them and I know Steve, I I don't know if you saw a video, but there's that video, I think, when he wrote his first book about talking to a non-hunter, and he was telling him, you know what, I probably know more about these animals than you'll ever know, and I also love them more than you'll ever know, too. And that's something that until you hunt or are out there, you can't can't talk to people who don't hunt and have them fully understand it. Yeah, I
0: just think, yeah, I just don't think that, I I just don't see... Non hunters and anti hunters is the threat to the future of hunting. I see rampant commercialism, yeah, as as the threat, and rampant commercialism and buying up access and all that stuff as the threat. I don't see non hunters and anti hunters as a threat, and the reason I think the commercialization. That's the reason I'm, I'm anti hunting social media and anti hunting TV is because I believe that that stuff feeds the beast.
1: Yeah. So and I've been.
0: That's I've, where, I mean, that's the heart of where you and I are going to end up. That's where, like, I, we, we're, we agree on a lot, but that's where we're going to leave the conversation where we just aren't going to agree, you know?
1: Yeah. And you don't want it to get to Europe either. I mean, I've been to Germany and Belgium just on trips, not hunting trips, but trips. And of course, I'm the guy that's sitting there asking the locals about hunting and stuff like that too. And it's insane how much money they have to pay to just get a license or to get a gun registered. And then all they have to go through and the lack of hunting land. And You don't want it to become that here because for better or worse, 90% of hunters are salt of the earth people that do it for passion or do it for the meat or both
0: yeah so hey i gotta ask when people get on other get on pile on hunters for posting a, a small deer is it because they wish that the person let the deer grow up or is it more just like
1: ah, that's all you could get is that little one Which, both both okay. yeah and like the property i bow hunt in appear, i'll let I'll let deer go there that I would let. And now that I've shot some bucks and they'll, they'll, those deer were years ago when I've shot them. Now I'll let those bucks pass and me and the guys at the property next to us, we've kind of agreed if it's, if it's eight points and at the ears or bigger, shoot it. If it's a doe, shoot it for the meat. And if it's a young kid for their first year or two, let them shoot. I don't care. Let them shoot whatever. Make them enjoy it. But I'll, I, I can see. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I gotta You're work on. I, I gotta
0: work on interrupting people.
1: You're good. The first to say too. Up north, where we hunt for deer camp, and I will get crucified for saying this. If it has horns up there, I'm shooting that thing. And my wife really doesn't eat venison, so for me, I only need one deer. And usually, what happens is, if I get, I'll shoot whatever deer I can during gun deer season. If I have a doe tag, or if it's a small buck. And they'll leave my deer for a year, and it, if I don't, I'll try to take a doe back home. But if I get a second deer, it always goes to one of the guys at deer camp or one of my uncles that's too old to hunt anymore that I know loves venison. That I want to do it because they appreciate the meat more than what was shot too. But yeah, yeah up north, it's and I mean that's most the people's mentality until you've hunted northern Wisconsin public land. And I mean, you guys grew up in Michigan, you know what it was like for.
0: Oh, where we grew up, you—if you waited for a two-year-old deer, you'd wait your whole life. Yeah. Where I grew up, you, you basically you either got a one and a half year old buck on opening day or nothing.
1: Yeah. And it we got be- a bunch of does up there, but I mean, realistically, and we hunt and my cousins and other guys that go up there that, I mean, we'll go miles back in the woods or cousin will be waking up at 2. AM to get back to a spot two hours beforehand and walking way the hell back in the middle of nowhere. We've gotten in the past, my uncles have gotten some nice eight, nine and 10 pointers, but in the past 10 years up there, we've gotten some does and some smaller bucks on public land, but we've gotten an eight, two eight pointers on public land and we hunt the hell out of it, but it's just how it is up there it's just the part where if somebody somebody,
0: uh, says something like, man, you should have let it grow up. And they live in the part of the world that you do, part of the country where you do, you know, and they know like in this part of the country, it can produce some decent deer if you let them grow up. So I wish you wouldn't have shot him. I wish you would let them grow up. That I guess I can kind of see. But the and someone, I, the, the someone that, that's the person that's like, that's all the bigger of the one of a one you could get. Yeah. It's like, it's like, why are you snooping around to look at what other people shoot and then commenting on it? I mean, th- that to me is so much more embarrassing than shooting a small oh, buck to admit that you're like, Looking around, and then when you find somebody that shot a small one that you harsh on them, yeah, <laughs> it's, and, so, it's so immature, you know. And too, that's I'm, one thing like, if social hunting social media went away, all this immaturity would go away. All oh, the commercialism yeah, commercialism would go for the away. Local all the, immaturity. Bars and the local newspapers, I mean, yeah, like, but shot yeah. this weekend, but that's just like that's just such a tiny, oh, tiny yeah. in comparison, you know.
1: Well, and I'm all for letting him go. And there's been some s- small bucks that I have passed on up there, but for better or worse too, it's, and it's not, I'll, I'll do it more now passing, but man, growing up from about 12 to 22, there were so damn many hunters up there that you'd watch deer walk by that you passed on and 10 seconds later you would here.
0: Boom, boom. Yeah. Yep, oh, God. Sure. All right. Well, there goes that one. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. What I will and won't shoot has everything to do with the status of my, my freezer. Yeah. And what part of the season it is. Yeah. If uh late season hunting is, I pity the deer that comes by me late in the season when I'm have, when I have freezer anxiety.
1: Well, the, the, there's a direct correlation for me with how cold it is, like end of the season, how cold it is and how long a deer stands in front of me. Like the longer a deer stands in front of me, the higher probability that thing is getting shot. And the colder it is, and the colder it's getting, I'm sitting there like, but <laughs> it's fucking ten degrees, I'm sitting here freezing. My ass.
0: That's I have a
1: goat fifteen yards in front of me, bow hunting. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I could shoot this thing and not and go hit. home. There drinking whiskey in front of a fireplace. <laughs>
0: That's hilarious. I think I have a. I don't know about the cold one. But in terms of the, the longer it stands in front of me, one, I think I'm the opposite. Cause I have a lot of blood loss. So when a deer comes in and he kind of looks like he's okay, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna shoot him. And I've done it. And I'm like, shoot and shoot. him. Yeah. like, damn it. Then I'm like, damn it. You had plenty of time. You might've gotten a bigger one. Um, but if I can stay my hand for just a little bit, I'm like, eh. Like, so the, I guess the, for me, it's like the longer I can watch them, the less chance that I'll shoot I,
1: I, I fucking hate the cold too. And all my friends for how much I love hunting and fishing. Really? If, give me so much shit. Cause we'll be duck hunting and it'll be September. It'll be 40 degrees to start the day with a high of 60. And they're all out there in waders and t-shirts. And I'm the one guy with the jacket on. Or we go out ice fishing and they're all sitting in the shack and hoodies. And I've got a hoodie on. I've got my jacket over it. I got my Gore-Tex bibs over it. I'm sitting there and they're like, I'd. Dude, I don't know how you can sit through this shit when you hate it that much. Oh, but huh. Huh. I'm a pansy when it comes to the cold, but yeah, I'll
0: be I'm a, a pansy when it comes to the heat.
1: Uh, the mosquitoes are the worst for me. That's the one thing like I shot one deer opening day of bow hunting, and I wasn't even going to I brought my bow cuz I, I was like, ah, I'm not even going to hunt. I was just going to check get my stand all set up and check the trail cam. and it was like 85 degrees. And my dumbass, I bring the bow in. And of course I see a doe sitting there and I'm in college. And I'm like, man, be nice not to pay for beef or chicken or anything this month and get the freezer filled up. And I drew back. And the second I let that arrow go, I was like, what the hell? I got up to that thing and I'm drenched in sweat and I'm sitting there thinking now like, okay, I got to fucking butcher this thing. And 85 degree weather I got to run to the gas station covered in blood and camo and walk in and buy three bags of ice I'm like I love hunting and I love bow hunting but I'm also now the person that like if it's above 70 I just I don't want to have to deal with and and on the flip side too I don't want to waste that meat I don't want to shoot it and make a bad shot and find it the next day where and you have the luxury of doing that if it's cold yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can let that thing sit overnight. You have to worry about the wolves and coyotes up in Northern Wisconsin, but around us, you can let that thing lay for a day and be fine. If it's in the thirties.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I think, uh, I'm going to, unless you had more, you wanted to discuss, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap her up because, nope. uh, um, that's, uh, I'm getting a little fried and I haven't had my supper, haven't had my supper yet.
1: So. Now you're good. I don't blame you. I beforehand, I wasn't sure
0: how long this was going to go. So, um, Well, hey, Bo, I really I really appreciate you taking the time. I learned a lot. and yeah, I wish, no, thank I, you. I, I wish you the best of luck with everything except your social media account. That's
1: fine. I, I figured that might come out. <laughs> I totally understand. Uh, but no, thank you. I'm honored and humbled to be on here and appreciate all you do and appreciate you taking the time all your day to have me on here. So. All right. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Have a good one.